0: What if you could measure your employer brand as a single number? What if you could track it over time? We do that. It's called the Employer Brand Index. Continuously measuring what's positive and negative about you as an employer from a candidate perspective is the key. The Employer Brand Index helps you measure your employer brand and validates your perceptions or draw up a few surprises, both good and bad. The Employer Brand Index works best when done over time to see how things are changing. Some companies use it as a baseline before they launch their EVP. Others add in some talent competitors to see how they stack up. Stay on top of your employer brand. Go to EmployerBrandIndex.co to learn more. Hey Sam Survey it's Jorgen Sommer here with the Employer Branding Podcast brought to you by your friends here, at Link Humans. We are of course fine purveyors of data-driven Employer Brand Insights. Today we're heading into the clouds. Yes, I am speaking to a very enviable employer, which has won more awards for being a great employer than I have had hot meals. Thank you very much. We are going to learn how employer brand is organized, how the company has a real focus on equality and inclusion, and how 2020 was a big, intense fast forward in many, many ways. So let's start our show. Hey, Chrissy, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fabulous. Thanks for having me today.
0: My pleasure. So please introduce yourself to our listeners. What is it that you do and what brings you on the podcast today?
1: So my name is Chrissy Thornhill. I'm a global senior manager at Salesforce Currently at Salesforce, I'm responsible for our careers, social media channels, brand profiles, recruiter enablement, employee advocacy. I've been at Salesforce for about five and a half years now, located in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I am an employer brand nerd through and through. (laughs) Have been for the last 12 years, probably before I ever even knew it was a thing. And I also feel like I need to tell you that I am completely nerding out that you even invited me to be on the podcast. I have followed your work for the last decade, at least. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure. Right. So uh, let's start with Salesforce for the uninitiated. How would you describe the company?
1: Salesforce is the world's number one customer relationship management platform, also known as a CRM. So we help marketing, sales, commerce, service, IT teams work as one from anywhere so that businesses can really keep their customers engaged and happy everywhere. One of the things I'm most proud of is that our technology helps people create better jobs, lives, companies, and communities. We are about 55,000 employees now. When I started over five years ago, we had 15,000 employees. And so it has been quite the journey and I don't think it's going to let up anytime soon.
0: Okay. Wow. So that's exponential growth. What uh, is the talent challenge uh, for the company?
1: Well, at Salesforce, we're really focused, like a lot of companies focused on hiring the very best talent and doing it really quickly. And so because of that, we're constantly reassessing how we recruit, who we recruit, if we're on the cutting edge. And I think that's the challenge in the way is just never letting your foot off the pedal and constantly keeping your eye on, on hiring the best talent. One of the things I think that has really helped us with the talent challenge is how intentional we are about our culture and our values of trust, customer success, innovation, and equality. We are super intentional about our culture. We write it down. We prioritize it. We build programs around it. We measure it. We're constantly innovating on it. And I think that it's always been this way and it's, it's really served us really well and helped us get to the place of, of success we're at now.
0: Great. Okay. And now you've been with the company for a little over five years, and I can imagine the employer brand function has evolved a lot over the years. Oh, so yes. Talk, talk us through the, the journey of employer brand at Salesforce.
1: Well, Jennifer Johnston is who hired me, also known as JJ, and she has been on your show a couple of uh, years ago, I think. And when JJ, (laughs) yeah, when JJ hired me, uh, she used to call us the dynamic duo. It was just the two (laughs) of us and, uh, we slowly started to grow. And I would say now five years later, what the two of us were doing, it's, it's probably, probably 30 different people that are involved in that. Obviously our strategies have gotten more sophisticated and the company has grown a lot more globally. So we need more people, but. I can say during my five years at Salesforce, I've done it all at one point or another. But what I described earlier when I introduced myself, that's what I've been focused on this past year or so.
0: The employer brand team, where exactly do you sit? It's the scope.
1: All right. Let's see if you can follow me on this one. <laughs> all right. So while my team does primarily employer brand, we sit on the recruitment marketing team. It wasn't always that way, but I love where we're structured right now because it really, truly aligns our employer brand awareness efforts with recruiting's priorities. And then we have a separate employer brand team that uh, sits in internal comms. And so that team is responsible for our 80 plus workplace award wins that we have every year. And then some of the brand awareness pieces, like uh, brand reputation pieces, such as responding to Glassdoor reviews. So that said, uh, we all fall under the employee success umbrella, also known as HR at a lot of companies. And our team is the employee engagement team. And I love that we're on the employee engagement team rather than sitting with a marketing team, because in my mind, employee engagement is employer brand. And so I think it's really key that we work extremely close with internal comms and with employee engagement, because the promises that we make way back in the beginning of our employer brand promise, our recruitment marketing efforts, before someone is ever even an employee at Salesforce. We work alongside that employee engagement team and the employee success team to make sure that we're actually delivering on all of those marketing promises and brand promises that we made in the beginning. I think that that has served us really well to be sitting where we're sitting. And then another thing uh, that recently happened is Salesforce took the step to name Tony Profit our chief equality and recruiting officer. And what this has done, it's really helped guide our global recruiting initiatives with an inclusive lens at every single step of the recruitment process, uh, really furthering our equality journey. And so as you can imagine, that has played a role in how we brand our company as a place to work, best place to work. And uh, my team being sitting with recruitment marketing means that we are very tightly connected to the Salesforce Office of Equality. And I am so grateful for everything that I've continued to to learn uh, from being with this team. And I, I think it's what it takes to really move move the needle in uh, hiring diverse talent.
0: Right. So 2020, a uh, tumultuous year. How has uh, world events, how have they impacted your work at Salesforce and employee brand?
1: You know, I think all of those things and especially social media has been impacted. And and that's one of the things that's, that's stuck with me this whole time that I've been at Salesforce for the last five years is social media. This has been a wild year. I know everyone can say that, but I honestly think in my professional career, I have learned more about branding and marketing and social media in the last nine months than I have in the last several years. I have had a lot of aha moments, and what I mean by that is, is I can remember back in February, one of my colleagues uh, in Japan started to tell me, "Hey, Chrissy, this coronavirus is people are scared in Japan. I think we should maybe tone down and watch our tone and our voice and our imagery that we're using on our social channels." And I totally got what she was saying. I don't think I understood the the gravity of it. And then it was probably a couple weeks later when some of my colleagues that are located in EMEA started saying the same thing. So I I knew it was coming. And then it hit the United States. And I think it wasn't until then that I really realized how critical it is to be aware of what's happening in all of the different regions and countries that you're doing marketing in. I think being a U.S. company or Wherever you're located, you can get so immersed in what's happening in your own world socially that you don't understand the impact of other things that are happening around the world. That was a big aha moment for me. And the way that we adjusted our branding and our imagery and our marketing and, you know, maybe not so many party emojis in our tweets and, you know, things like that. Mm. We slowly kind of started to get back to a normal place at different times around the globe. So that was interesting, interesting to me. It's definitely not a one size fits all.
0: Have you gotten examples of things that might be appropriate in in one geography, but uh, might be really detrimental to your brand in another one?
1: As it relates to COVID, I'll, I'll give that as an example. I know from working with my teams in LATAM, for example, in Brazil, in particular, COVID hit LATAM really hard, was probably one of the last places that COVID hit really hard. It's very much still happening. I, I definitely do realize that. While we've lightened up a little bit and kind of gotten back to the new normal for the last several months in our EMEA channels and our Amer channels, we're still pretty cautious about using imagery of people in large groups, for example. Yeah. Maybe it's more with our award, our workplace award wins. It was much more about taking a humble, really grateful approach and even thanking our employees for everything that they've done, you know, throughout these times instead of the rah, rah, you know, confetti, popping confetti emojis and people jumping up and down, you know, in the imagery. I, I would say that was a big shift that uh, while we might have kind of loosened up a little bit in a mayor. Uh, We definitely didn't in him for a long time.
0: Yeah. I wonder, so when you went into 2020, did you have any grand plans about big campaigns and initiatives that were going
1: to be launched
0: and then you had to put on hold?
1: Yeah. This actually sits with a different team, but I think one of the greatest impacts for us is every year we do a big uh, global photo shoot and video shoot. That's all of the imagery and the videos that you see a lot of times appear in our campaigns. And obviously all of that had to be rethought and that was pretty big, but there wasn't any other choice.
0: Was there a way to do it? Having uh, employees do photography or videos themselves well
1: that is what was also interesting is it was suddenly very acceptable to have that more authentic raw footage we definitely did that and and you'll see that across our marketing campaigns for sure
0: all right so this has been a year of uh, of learning and uh, accelerated learning i should say Uh, What would be some of your uh, top tips to to our listeners of this episode?
1: Aside from just being aware of what's happening socially around the globe and treating the execution of your marketing plans differently, another tip I would have is employer brand teams are often understaffed or maybe they're not a team at all. Maybe they're one person and part of their job. And so I think... One of the tips I wanted to share is it's really critical to assess the cost and the time commitment and realizing that you don't have to do everything. Mm-hmm. And so a good example of this is, you know, maybe you don't need to be on every single social media channel. Twitter, for example, is is pretty labor intensive and maybe you're a company that doesn't have a lot of content and that's where a culture hashtag might come into play and, and be really helpful and, and kind of turn that over to your employees to document your employer brand and let it unfold in front of the world through their voice, the more most authentic voice that you have. And the other tip that I wanted to talk about, this year has been a really big learning for me uh, with inclusive marketing principles. And that mm-hmm. is The age of equality and the equality journey that Salesforce is on. And our, our Salesforce office of equality has put out a free training course on trailhead, uh, which is a platform that Salesforce has created that teaches people how to use the Salesforce platform or even teaches a bit about our Salesforce culture. And there's a trail in there that's free for anyone to take. And it's called inclusive marketing practices. And it goes over the six different steps uh, for inclusive marketing to create a culture of equality. And all day, every day, you know, day, we're very conscientious about how we're, we're marketing our companies and the imagery and the words that we're using and the tone that we're using. And I personally have found this course so helpful. And I know that diversity and underrepresented uh, minorities and group hiring is very important for a lot of companies. I wanted to just share that that resource is there and it's absolutely changed the way I think about marketing.
0: Nice. Okay, so inclusive marketing practices. You mentioned about uh, the cost and time assessment on uh, running perhaps additional social um, media channels and so on. How do you go about measuring that? Is there a is there a magic formula?
1: At Salesforce, we use one uh, my team uses one of our own products called mm-hmm. Einstein. And Einstein Insights, Einstein Analytics allows us to really slice and dice our data across a lot of the marketing that we do to see where we're getting the greatest impact and the greatest engagement, or we're getting the most clicks on a lead form, for example. And so that has really guided our strategy of you know where we can get the most bang for our buck. And a lot of times... The challenge is, yeah, you need to have budget, but it's also very time consuming to keep all of these brand profiles and marketing channels current and up to date. So being able to use this this analytics AI tool that we have uh, has really guided where we invest a lot of our time.
0: Okay, yeah, that sounds really useful. Yeah, because I think what people don't realize from just looking at a social media channel is that uh, how much work goes into all the branding and the uh, editorial calendar and uh, replying and running adverts and trying to have a, a unique voice on each uh, platform mm-hmm. or each channel. There's a lot that goes into that, and, and it is good to question the, the marginal utility of yet another social network for sure.
1: Sorry. I think it's almost people's time. A lot of the work that you can do in an employer brand doesn't cost a thing. It's more, do you have the people to do it?
0: What's an example of something that doesn't cost anything, but is, uh, is worth doing?
1: Employee advocacy is key. When I think of employee advocacy, I think of it in two different ways. I think it's making sure that your employees and your recruiters, especially and your hiring managers are enabled to share content. Uh, very, very easily with their social networks. And so maybe that's content where you're already writing the copy for them. So it's just a click of a button. And then the other piece is more of that user-generated content. So for example, we just did a fun fun little campaign on our Instagram channel. Uh, We worked with our real estate workplace services team to have employees all over the world submit their pumpkin carvings. (laughs) And it was a little contest that we held on Instagram stories. We had over 4,000 votes and I know reached uh, at least 10% of the people that we reached weren't already following our, our channels, but that was totally free and engaged our employees and got people excited about working at Salesforce and and just employees excited about sharing the contest and their winning winning pumpkins. So, it's things like that. I'm, I'm always trying to find kind of low lift, like something that's a low lift that doesn't take a lot of time, but makes a really huge impact. And I think a lot of times those are, are things that don't cost a thing to do. It's just, just a person that needs to facilitate it.
0: Yeah, great. All right. So um, you have exemplified passion for what you do and for your employer. So I need to ask you, what is it that makes your job so special?
1: What makes my job so special is I just, I love being able to showcase people's stories. I love, I love that in the employer brand space, it's a bit of employee engagement at the same time. The more we engage our employees, the better our brand is. I really, I think employee engagement is your employer brand. So I'm excited to be in that space. And then on top of that, Salesforce is just an incredible company to work for. We have so many cutting-edge benefits and a phenomenal leader in Mark Benioff. And there's no shortage of really awesome things for me to be able to market. And so that obviously makes it fun too. There's a reason why we're a best workplace all over the globe. And that gives me plenty of really fun content to work with and to brand us with.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay. My final question, Chrissy, is uh, how can our listeners connect with yourself and how can they um, learn more about Salesforce as an employer?
1: Great. So you can connect with me on Twitter by following Chrissy Glow, that's C H R I S S Y G L O, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Chrissy Thornhill. And then you can follow our social social channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is Salesforce Jobs. And then our team also does a ton of work on our Salesforce LinkedIn. So that's a great place to go as well.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Chrissy. Thank you. Okay, there we go, folks. I think you'll agree with me that Chrissy and the team at Salesforce are doing some great work in this space. So definitely check out what they're up to on social and other places. And be sure to reach out to Chrissy, connect up, and say thank you for sharing your wisdom. Also, you may want to consider subscribing to this podcast. You can do so at employerbrandingpodcast.com or uh, just click on to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud and all the usual places. And If you really enjoyed it, please help us out by leaving a review on uh, one of those platforms. Okay, so now you have probably heard me talking about our data-driven insights that we provide to our clients called the Employer Brand Index. So we've been doing that for almost four years now. And uh, what we started doing in 2020 was to aggregate all the data from our client universe and beyond. So that means a truckload of data from the Fortune 500 employers of the world. From this, we're able to draw up the trends, the patterns, and we gain an understanding of what talent really wants every quarter we run a webinar presenting our findings as you could be listening to this at any given time i don't want to plug a particular webinar or a date instead to encourage you to get in touch and uh, we can reserve you a seat at the table for the next one so we only have 100 seats and they're reserved for employer brand leaders like yourself, only 100 because we like to keep it tight and uh, because that's the limit of the Zoom webinar feature. Anything more than that, we have to pay so much money. You don't want to know. So ping me at jorgenatlinkhumans.com or check out employerbrandindex.co for more details. So I hope to catch you at a webinar very soon. And that was it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and catch up next time. Hey.
1: We just finished Halloween and I saw on a street sign that ghosts taste like sheet.